Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Catherine Zaki, head of global talent at Cisco Meraki, a cloud-managed IT and network solutions company. For over a decade, Catherine has created and executed strategic HR, talent acquisition, and talent mobility initiatives at Cisco. Integral in transforming Cisco's talent strategy, Catherine has led the groundwork for talent to move fluidly toward the highest priority areas of the organization, and she has been integral in enhancing employee growth and engagement, along with saving significant costs from the organization. Now, earlier in her career at Cisco, Catherine was also largely involved in their ERG programs, advising the Cisco Disabilities Awareness Network ERG, and helping to launch chapters of the group in Europe and India, contributing to Cisco being named a top company for people with disabilities by Diversity Inc. in 2009. We've got Catherine on today really to learn about how ERG fits into the current workforce and the current strategies of organizations in 2022 and beyond. So Catherine, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. All right. Well, happy to have you on. So to get you introduced to our audience, can you start us off by taking us through your career path a bit more and just sharing with us what led you to pursuing a career in human resources and people operations? Absolutely. So actually, my initial interest was in a career in the foreign service, but through the economics route rather than the political science route. I attended Thunderbird School of Global Management, which is known to be a top tier school for international business. Part of my interest in going there was being able to connect with people from around the world with diverse experiences and cultures. So while I was at the school thinking I'm going into going to the foreign service, I actually learned that the value that I would be able to bring the public sector would be amplified by having a stint in the private sector. So looking into the private sector, I thought, hey, my passion for diversity, for connecting people and things, it led me to focus on HR. Through that, I actually um, interviewed with Cisco while I was at school. My first rotation as part of the human resources leadership program at Cisco was actually in the inclusion and diversity space. So working nicely with what I deem to be some of my strengths and interests, um, turning that into a career. That's great. As many of our career paths are, they're unexpected, right? You pursue your passion and that leads you to where you are today. So as mentioned, you're currently the head of global talent acquisition at Cisco Meraki. So do you mind sharing a bit more about what you work on currently in that role? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I think any good talent acquisition leader will tell you that they have to build a strategy to help continue the growth of their organization. We don't want to just hire great talent. We want to hire great talent in service of the mission of the company. In our case, to simplify powerful technology to let people work on their mission. To do that, that, what I have is four main themes set out for my team to work towards this year. The first, we need to be talent advisors to our business partners. We're the experts in knowing what the talent landscape looks like what skills are going to be in demand, what we can pay for them, all of those sorts of things. So how do we act as advisors rather than just transactional order takers? The second point is we are focusing on simplifying and scaling recruitment. Historically, we had been a decentralized organization sitting within each of the different functions. We are now centralized. So how are we able to create ourselves as a cohesive team that is moving from startup to scale and beyond? The third thing we're focused on this year is we are never stopping looking for diverse, high-quality talent. 
Um, diversity is one of the missions of what we're looking to do to drive in our organization because of the value it brings. So we are committed to making sure that that's an ongoing effort day in and day out. And the last thing that we're focused on right now is creating amazing experiences, both for our candidates and for our hiring teams, but also for our recruiters. We really want it to be a, a destination for talent acquisition professionals to say, I can, I can really go there, develop myself as a human, um, have fun while I'm doing it. That's great. Those are really some great initiatives to get behind. I love that you called out looking for diverse talent, and that really times out nicely with when we're releasing this episode as part of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Week on HR Daily Advisor. Um, and then also hearing that you're looking at creating that great employee experience. So one factor I was hoping we could talk about today, and this also leans into some of your past work at Cisco, is the use of ERGs, employee resource groups within organizations, to help support the efforts of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at organizations, but also to really help also propel employees into the best employee experience possible. So I know you had some past experience with ERGs. Can you walk us through a bit more of what you worked on previously as the advisor to the Cisco Disabilities Awareness Network and really your experience with ERGs overall? Absolutely. So you gave the the date of my time with them, which we can all admit was quite a few years ago. Um, there has been much advancement in the years since then, um, including the team has updated their name to the Cisco Disability Action Network, focused on action more so than awareness. But hopefully what I can tell you is still relevant. So my day job at that time was within the inclusion and diversity space, leading initiatives for people with disabilities, um, as such, advising the disability network. It was my first in-depth exposure to really that particular area of diversity and the vastness with which that, um, that group encompasses. Um, at that point, I was a student rather than an expert in people with disabilities. So my role was very much facilitating connections. How could we connect individuals to one another for support and innovation opportunities? How could we connect the group with our accessibility team, our benefits group, our event production team, to really highlight the needs and provide opportunities to suggest improvements to our products and experiences. At that time, our CDAN group was nascent. We only had one chapter in the US. I was able to help coordinate expansion to EMEA and to India. I think you mentioned that earlier. Those were areas where we had larger groups of populations that were willing to self-identify as having a disability and wanting to get involved, wanting to provide their voice and, and kind of to my point earlier around providing an opportunity to make things better, whether it's a product or an experience. So some of it was really just, like I said, making connections. It was really learning and being able to say, hey, let's amplify the voice of these individuals throughout the organization and create a space for them to come together to feel like they are seen and heard within our workplace. And that's certainly a theme and really an initiative that's grown over the past few years, especially as companies are really looking to enhance their efforts in diversity within the workforce and putting concerted effort behind that growth. So it's great to see that even back in 2009, that, that there were initiatives behind that to really drive forward with ERGs. That's only grown now. Um, how have you seen that presence of ERGs really impact the employee experience? Yeah, I think it's it, it, it's funny because this is something that feels like old hat for us, to be honest. Um, and so to see it really taking off and becoming kind of this reinvigorated thing, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. And it feels so natural to us that it's kind of hard to pinpoint some of those things. But I do think um, 
we eros or inclusive communities is how we re reference them um, they're just so wonderful at building community as humans you know from a neuroscience perspective from a psychological standpoint we're so wired for connection to engage with other people as part of a community where you feel some sort of affinity it really helps in allowing bringing your whole self to work i think it's helped to bring a level of normalcy and continuity through some of the pandemic mandated work from home types of times. Um, I was on a call recently and we were looking at how we build community at a local site for us. It has historically been disparate groups, primarily working from home. So how are we gonna create a community? And we actually looked to one of our ERO leaders to say, what is it that you do? And he, he said he always encourages ERO participation wherever he can. First in one that you feel closely aligned to, one that you identify with. And then secondarily, align yourself with an ERO of something you're intrigued to learn more of or to be an ally for. So the influence that it has on the employee experience is really you know, creating affinity with something familiar, but it's also with learning something outside of what is known and experienced yourself. And for me, I think that's just such a wonderful thing that, that these groups can bring to a company, but also to the world at large, making it feel smaller, making you learn more, giving you exposure to things that you wouldn't normally have in a day-to-day, -day, in a work environment. I don't know if that answered fully the question, but that's kind of where my head went with it. It does. And thank you for that. I think what's really interesting is the sense of community it creates. I think you'd mentioned that and that really stands out as just the opportunity to create a great employee experience, one where your employees feel connected feel like they have community, it shrinks the the often wide world that you can be in, especially in larger organizations. And we're all dealing with it now as we're going through different variations of distributed workforces, whether it's fully remote workforces, hybrid workforces, maybe haven't seen each other in a while. It's a great way to connect and make the community a bit more close-knit. So uh, that really stands out as an advantage with ERG programs for employees. What kind of advantages do ERG programs provide for the organizations? Is there something that the leadership teams can learn from ERGs? Oh, for sure. Um, they can learn so many things. I hit on a few of them when I was talking about the Cisco Disability Action Network, particularly around innovations and recommendations for improvements, you know, whether it's products or experiences to support certain underrepresented groups. Yeah. So from a marketing perspective, groups can provide insights into how messaging or positioning may be perceived by people with a certain affinity. You know, since it's top of mind for me, I'll talk about it from a talent acquisition perspective. We're able to partner with these groups for diverse referrals, but also to highlight the benefits of our diverse culture in the sense of a talent brand. You know, taking what they live as their experience here in the workforce back out to their communities to say, this is what it's really like to be at Cisco Meraki. And they'll, you know, champion because we've created a wonderful experience for our employees. It's it's not a false sense of talent brand. It's really the authentic talent brand going out into diverse communities to help then create more, more groups that are willing to join us and to, to seek candidacy within our talent acquisition space. Yeah, no, that's great. And Catherine, again, speaking to where your focus is today, that absolutely makes sense where you can learn from your resource groups, from your employees, about how the company, how your organization resonates within different groups and what you can do to really connect with the various groups that you really want to attract for new talent. That's a great opportunity, certainly to learn what your impact can be in various markets and how to really attract the best and most diverse talent out there. And that's, that's certainly a great way to look at how to utilize ERGs from a leadership standpoint. 
All right. So as you had mentioned, being in the talent acquisition space, you're looking to really grow a nice, diverse, successful workforce. What are some must-haves in growing and really making diversity a big part of recruiting and building your workforce? Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier kind of the the idea that it's hard to pinpoint one or two things because it's kind of ingrained in what we do. We try to build it into everything that we're doing through the process. I do think um, some of the more unique things that we're doing is looking at our degree requirements to be able to say, is that a fair and level playing field to require a certain degree or from a certain school? Or is that limiting the diversity with which we can attract candidates? Um, You know, we actually have from our internship pool, we have 100% of our recs um, or our opportunities rather that do not have a degree requirement. Does that mean we hire 100% of people without degrees? No, but it is not a requirement on any of ours at Cisco Meraki. Um, I think that's an area that is a little bit forward leading for us. Um, I think another thing that we do is by having a diverse population in in the workplace, that then allows people to see themselves through the interview process, whether it's somebody of the same gender, same ethnicity, um, same background, whatever it may be. Those diverse panels are really helping to drive outcomes for us in terms of that. I do think as well, we have a, a Humans of Meraki blog that highlights some of the different people who have joined us in the past several years. Um, being able to say, what's it like to work here? Tell us about your experience and being able to highlight that from a diverse perspective again, allows affinity and allows people to understand what it's like to really work with us. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly in the current environment where the candidate pool is looking to organizations and really trying to connect with their values. I mean, the employee value proposition has never been more forefront than it is today. And being able to display it, show your investment in diversity within an organization is so crucial now in attracting talent. Completely. It really is more about do our values align, right? Um, And Meraki is able to summarize its values in four. One is simplify everything, right? I told you the mission of our company is to simplify powerful technology, but even within our own doors, it's simplify everything. Um, It's everybody in. So if there's a problem or a challenge, everybody's in to create a solution for it. It is be brave, take bold steps, do the things that you might not think you might do. Give people a chance from a talent acquisition perspective. Can yeah. we can we hire someone to bravely do so? And the last one is care deeply. And I think being able to care deeply for your customers, your partners, but also the employees and the candidates, um, people can resonate with those no matter where they are in the diversity spectrum. That's some great insight, great way to look at it. From, again, Cisco Meraki's standpoint. Um, so let me ask this, just kind of connecting your past experience with what you're currently working on, how can ERGs be a tool for talent development and internal recruitment? Oh, this is, I'm super passionate about this because I also am very passionate about internal movement within organizations and how to do so intentionally. But um, from a talent development standpoint, ERGs really do provide a launch pad to try new things in a safe environment. So if you've never had exposure to budgets, Volunteer to help with that aspect of an ERG. If leadership is in your career development roadmap, but it's really kind of one of those things where if you don't have the experience as a leader, you can't get the job to get the experience as a leader. Go ahead and lead a dynamic team of an employee resource group and leverage that circumstance to then hone your skills and use it as transferable to your next day job opportunity. 
When I joined Cisco Meraki, my admin was actually also the lead of the Connected Asian Affinity Network. So day job, administrative assistant, side job, lead of an ERO. Um, she was gaining planning and leadership experience, and then she then parlayed those skills into a new role as a project specialist within my emerging talent recruiting team. So I think that it really does drive from a talent development standpoint, just a safe environment to test out things and get yourself set up for whatever's next in your career journey. From an internal recruitment standpoint, definitely partnering closely as a talent acquisition group with these ERGs, um, we, they, they get some visibility that might not be the case in every instance, right? Saying, hey, you're going above and beyond to help create an environment that's a great environment for people at our company. We know who you are. How can we help? And it's not that we wouldn't help others, but it's just the visibility and proximity, I think, is, is something in which we, we see exposure to different skills in a different way from people who may participate there. Right. I and mean, it seems like a great opportunity to see talent in action and really see that, okay, hey, there is maybe someone who on paper didn't fit this right role. Uh, to then recognize and say, hey, you know, you might be a great fit in in taking on this piece of the business that your resume or even your awareness of may not be there, but you could really excel if you lean into this piece of the business. That, that seems like a great opportunity to almost unearth hidden talent. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And you look at too, where, like, where the importance of networking, especially in this growing culture of both upskilling and advancement. ERGs seem like a great resource for networking, for growing, and almost building natural mentorship too within organizations, which can only help as you're focusing on advancing even within uh, within Cisco Meraki. What a great way to have young, new employees connecting with established employees and learning from people who are doing it. Completely, and I, you know, I think not only mentorship, but I think it builds confidence. Sure. Regardless, right? When you know more people, when you feel like you're in a psychologically safe place, there's a little level of confidence that gets boosted there too, that then helps you show up differently in the way that you're doing work. I could not agree more. So Catherine, seeing as you really helped advise and build that successful ERG with, at the time, Cisco Disabilities Awareness Network, you've clearly seen what makes ERGs work and be successful or EROs in in the case of Cisco Meraki. So what are some things you've seen that make for a successful ERO or ERG program? Yeah, I think um, success in these programs comes from a few different factors. Number one, defined goals and outcomes. What are we trying to get after? What does success look like for us? Number two, really committed leadership. People who are not just passionate for the sake of being passionate, but for passionate for driving what those goals and outcomes are. Number three is connection right? Being able to say, we really have connection amongst ourselves here. I also think connection needs to be, from from a success standpoint, among ERGs themselves, right? So the Disability Action Network with the Cisco Asian Affinity Network. Those groups have, if they have connection, it again amplifies their ability to impact. Um, Number four, I think development opportunities. I mentioned that earlier, like are we taking advantage of these? Are we giving people that safe space to try new things? And then last but certainly not least is executive sponsorship. I think in order to be successful, we do have to have the senior most levels of the organization that are committed to making these diversity groups a success. 
Um, thankfully, we do have that both at Cisco Meraki and at Cisco overall. Um, so that has been one that I think could be taken for granted sometimes, but definitely does deserve a shout out. That is all great and some great tips, again, for our listeners in the HR community to take away and really implement if they either have existing ERGs within their organizations or are looking to build that of a great way to start and a great way to ensure that you're on the right path as you're building this, these successful programs. So thank you for that, Catherine. Now we're having this conversation at the end of 2022, looking ahead to 2023. What's something you're excited about in the either human resources space, the talent acquisition space coming up on the horizon that you're excited about going into 2023? Yeah, I, I'm really excited about the opportunity to shift how talent movement really happens to support business transitions. You saw how I lit up when I was like, yes, internal movement. Let me talk about it for a second. I think really given some of the things that we as a society have learned over the past few years, it will really give us the opportunity to rethink some of the baseline fundamentals of work. And for me, that's super exciting. Yeah, I could not agree more. So what are some of those fundamentals that you see moving? What are some of the pieces that you think are, are ripe for making change here? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't think it's anything earth shattering that hasn't been discussed before, but, you know, uh, our chief people officer, Kelly Jones and and, um, and Fran Katsudis, they've talked about work is, a, is not a place you go, work is what you do. And so I think being able to reframe that and say, okay, let's just take that as an underlying realization that we've had over the past couple of years if work is not a place that you go, work is a thing that you do, how can we enable that differently Right. from a resourcing standpoint, from a benefits standpoint, from, um, you know, a, a technology infrastructure standpoint, all of those sorts of things. And so I think we've got to peel back some of the layers of what we've deemed to be true about work in the past to then say, how might we support it differently going forward? Yeah, that's what excites me as well, is just seeing how, uh, how companies actually put into action the plans they tried in 2022 in terms of coming back. Uh, I think that is so interesting. I, many organizations said, okay, let's try hybrid, see what that looks like, or let's try being fully remote. Now 2023 is where we can put that into action and truly see, does this work? We're charting our path to go forward. Now we'll actually implement that and, and make it a reality. And, and I think you're totally right that organizations are learning that work can be what you're doing, not where you're doing it. Completely. And I, and I think, you know, what, what we'll learn in 2023, too, I think, is that what works in one location for one group of individuals is not going to be the same everywhere. Yeah. You know? Well said. Cultures are different. Humans are different. Their commutes are different. Lifestyles are different. All of that sort of a thing. And so just being flexible to that realization and saying, okay, maybe we just try things a little bit differently, see how it goes, and then pivot if we need to. And that is a great tie-in to the diversity conversation we're having. It could also be diversity, again, in work styles and just how how we go about managing your full day at work. And that can be so different between groups, between individuals, between teams. So nice job bringing it full circle. So I appreciate that, Catherine. Uh, so again, you mentioned learning and what we're learning um, as organizations, as leadership teams, as employees. What have you learned, though, over the last few years Since 2020, so many of us have learned something about ourselves uh, that we've been able to implement into our working lives. Is there something you've learned that you've been able to implement that's made you a better leader? Oh, for sure. There are so many. (laughs) Um, I think this has been one of the most high learning periods of my life, to be honest, just given the the circumstances. But um, one of the ones that stands out for me the most is really that you need to be well to lead well. Um, 
needing to prioritize downtime to establish boundaries when there's seemingly boundaryless space, that really helped me to lead more effectively because I was in a better headspace, but also more empathetically to understand that people are going through some stuff, right? Encouraging well-being and a sense of team and really having each other's backs through this. That was a big learning for me. Um, the other big learning I think is really focusing on what we can control understanding that we're never going to have a crystal ball about what the future looks like. There could be a global pandemic that turns everything upside down and tomorrow doesn't look like today. Right. So how can we use what we know today to make the best decision possible with the information we have and then be willing to pivot, be willing to be agile and say, you know what? Hey, things changed. That might not be the direction we want to go anymore. Let's reevaluate and come back to center. I love that. Yeah, the agility piece, I think, is something that so many of us have had to learn and adapt to and accept over the last few years. It certainly made some teams stronger. That may be an area where teams have struggled, where you said, okay, I had a five-year plan in place. That doesn't exist anymore. And you need to be able to be more in the moment while still planning ahead, but knowing that there could be some flexibility. I and mean, that's, that's certainly great to hear that that's something you learn. Um, so thank you for that, Catherine. And then do you have any advice that maybe you received throughout your career that you've leaned on that's helped you and made you successful that you could pass along to our listeners? There is. Um, I almost hesitate to share it because it's so simple and it, I, I, I may be risking telling people what they already know, but I really think the best advice that I've received is really speak the language of the business. We can be the experts in our field but we need to be able to articulate it in a way that really matters to the end user, to our business partners, to the client groups, to be able to get more things accomplished and more effectively. Um, we see it happen a lot with HR professionals because it is a very unique world that um, has a lot of direct knowledge base and, and content expertise. And we want to share. We want to. We want people to know that we're experts. But really, being able to influence by understanding what the other cares about and what's going to get us to our goal faster—that's um, one that I think I I heard it probably I don't know seven years into the into my career, and it stuck with me ever since. Of so think think through what was going to impact them and speak in a way that they understand. Great advice. I'd urge you to not downplay that because it, it really is useful. Um, we received something similar. We asked that question of a lot of our guests and had a similar response a few weeks ago in, a, in an interview with Abby Buck, Chief People Officer for Collective Health. And she said, know your business. Um, and I think that's so essential is to understand how the work you do impacts the business and what the ultimate outcomes are so that you are, as you mentioned, speaking to your end users. Um, I think that's so essential just to understand the business you work on. It really is. I'm glad glad Abby and I are aligned. Oh, you certainly are. Well, all right. So we're here with Catherine Zaki, Head of Global Talent Acquisition at Cisco Meraki. Catherine, for our listeners who are interested in learning more about Cisco Meraki, do you have a website we could send them to? We absolutely do. It is Meraki, M-E-R-A-K-I dot Cisco dot com. And if you're interested in looking at careers with us, slash careers. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that, Catherine. Now, Catherine, before we wrap, the one question I do ask all of our guests, and it's all about motivation. So when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, what's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? I think on a, on a personal note, it's definitely my kids. Nice. Um, 
having them, you know, light up and have a great day and get them started on the right foot is is a, is one. I think from a professional standpoint, it's my team. I am very much driven by a healthy, vibrant team and being able to commit to that and support them. Um, that's definitely what motivates me. Perfect. Those are great motivators to get going. So look, again, Catherine Zaki, Head of Global Talent Acquisition at Cisco Meraki. Thank you for joining the HR Works Podcast. Thank you for digging back into some of your history there and sharing some experiences with ERGs from the past, but also um, what you're currently working on in the present with talent acquisition at Cisco Meraki. So again, thank you for joining the HR Works Podcast. I hope we can keep this conversation going and have you back again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible. 